0: Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Faith on Fire podcast. Thank you to everyone who's clicked play, whether it's your first time or you've been listening from the beginning. I truly appreciate you for joining me. If you aren't already, go ahead and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Faith on Fire LLC, and you can also find me on Twitter at sbfaithonfire. I spoke with today's guests for almost an hour, and the episode is longer than I expected, and what we tip, what I typically put out for the podcast. But I promise you, it's content you don't want to miss. So, without further ado, this is episode thirteen. Of the Faith on Fire podcast, get control of your credit. You are now listening to the Faith on Fire podcast, a pod for financial literacy, coaching, and real life examples on how to transform your finances. I'm your host, Simone Brummel. Follow me on my path to financial freedom, and I'll give you tips on how to start and continue yours. Money is a tool, so learn how to use it wisely. Okay, welcome everyone. Thank you for tuning in to
1: another episode of the podcast. Today, I am super excited to talk to you about credit. And even more happy to have um, today's guests on. And of course, before we get into the topic or go any further, I'll pause here to let her introduce herself. Thank you
2: so much, Simone, for the opportunity to be part of this podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Jenny Jaffard. I am the founder of Surplus Financial Consultants, which is a personal finance and credit education company that specializes in taking the stress and
1: shame out of managing
2: your personal finances.
1: Awesome. Uh, Of course, like I was telling you before, I'm excited to, you know, talk to you and talk about some of those shame issues and everything surrounding credit. And before we start talking about the specifics, would you mind just telling the listeners how you got into credit coaching or dealing with credit and personal finance? Of course.
2: Um, I think if you can't share your origin story, it, it doesn't have the same impact. So I started my credit journey, honestly, in college I'm not going to say how long ago, y'all, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, so it was my junior year of undergrad and I had $10,000 left to clear off in order to go back to, to school for the semester. And I remember that I wasn't able to, to, to um make that money with the several jobs that I had. And when, they, when I went to the um, financial counseling office, they said, hey, just ask your parents to co-sign a loan with you. So when I asked my parents if they could do that, they were like, well, we don't have good credit. And I said, what? What, is, what does that mean? Um, and I realized how uneducated I was with the process. And it literally took three to four weeks for me to find someone that was able to co-sign with me. And it was a random person <laughs> who had faith in me as an individual, me as a person, and was willing to invest in me in that way. But I remember that feeling of stress and, and shame and anxiety um, and knowing that, knowing in my immediate family was in good standing financially or their credit to support me, and yet I was motivated, pushed to go to college um, throughout Mm -hmm. my my high school elementary life. So at that point in my journey, I decided that I was going to become knowledgeable about credit, and I wasn't going to allow that to ever be a barrier for for me or for my younger siblings. So that's how I started with my credit journey.
1: Yeah, that origin story can be a very relatable one, you know, starting in college and just a lot of people being introduced to credit and debt from, from their college experience. And, um, for me personally, the, the first question I always ask myself with any topic is like, what does this mean or what's the definition? Mm-hmm. So can you speak to like, how do you define that or your understanding of it? And if there's any, um, physical principles or principles in general that you kind of rely on in understanding debt?
2: Great question. So for me, um, I define debt as a liability (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I think when you start understanding um, finances, you understand that you can either have an asset, something that's working for you, adding money to your pocket, building your, Uh, wealth bucket or a liability, which is taking from you, taking from your generations to come after you. Um, and that's what I consider debt to be something that if not properly managed, if not, um, if not strategically planned, it is something that's going to take from my children, my children's children. So that's how I consider debt. And Mm -hmm. the biblical principle, and I love the fact that you asked that question because the Bible actually speaks more on money um, than than I ever knew growing up in church mm-hmm. so i I really went back into into the Bible and starting my business and understanding. Finances and the core to my business is the story about the widow and the olive oil. I don't know if you've heard of it, it's 2nd, yeah, yeah, 2nd Kings 4, verse 1 through 7. But it's the story of the widow and the olive oil. And from there, Mm -hmm. there's four main principles that I learned about finance. Um, Number one is You really have to take inventory of where you are. The widow in the story in the Bible, when she went to the prophet to get support um, in in keeping her kids from slavery, uh, the question that the prophet asked her was, what do you have? Right. And she was then able to share like, hey, this is what I have. I have a little canister of oil and that's 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 what we're working with (laughs) and from Mm -hmm. there um, she was able to to start the conversation about wealth and then the second principle i really believe in is that it takes a community to build wealth because uh again going back to the story of the widow and the olive oil if it wasn't for the fact that she had a good standing good reputation within Her community, she wouldn't have been able to borrow as many vases as she was able to in order to then fill those vases with oil that she then sold. So that's a credit principle. That's a money principle. That's a life principle that your reputation in your community matters in wealth building. And I'm going to stop there because I could go on. This is my story. It's one of my favorite ones.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. It's interesting, you know, hearing about the story of the widow as we think of credit and debt. And, like, as you said initially, right, the definition of debt being a liability, it has that negative connotation. And in any book or, you know, story, when you think of debt, the the messaging is always to to get out of it. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know that it's not something you necessarily want. Can you talk to, like, the dis the difference or the distinction between credit and debt and you know just the overall concept of like having good debt or is there such a thing as good debt or bad debt um, because it's probably the hardest especially when you're coming from uh, a family or community where you don't have resources and you need to borrow to, to move on into to new phases it's yeah. always the struggle of what debt to have or how do I manage this?
2: Yeah. This question is always a tough one for me to answer. Um, Is there such a thing as, as good debt and bad debt in all, in all honesty, I'm going to say that I'm going to cop out and say, (laughs) I don't believe in good and bad debt. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe in debt that you either have control of or it controls you. So, Mm. When you think of it that way, um, it's neither good or bad. It's what you're in control of. For example, um, student loans is usually the first debt that um, um, consumers acquire, right? And it's usually the first thing that starts to help them build credit build a form of rapport with the credit bureaus letting them know that they're able to manage um, some form of line of credit right however the majority of people aren't in control of of the process when it comes to getting student loans they're not aware of how to read a promissory note they're not aware of um, how to go about paying that down therefore when when life hits and that debt is no longer being paid for, it hits them in a way that's very devastating so that's that's a debt that will work against them. but for most people, if they're paying on time, if they have a strategy to pay it off effectively, it works on their favor as showing them as showing them to be reliable so that's why I say I really <laughs> wrestle with the the answer is: There good and bad debt because for some people they say, "Hey, having a mortgage is is good debt." And for me, I say, "Well, if if you don't have any strategy or plan to pay off that mortgage, um, and there's no way that that you owning that home is building your wealth portfolio, that can also be seen as bad debt." So I think that your definition has to be. Um, you have to be clear on the definition. So for me, a bad debt is any debt that you're not in control of. And a good debt is anything that you are in control of. Um, and you have a strategy to make it work as an asset.
1: Oh, wow. I love that. In control or, or not in control. Um, that's like, I can clearly picture that in my head right now and, and have a better understanding of that. And I think that's probably the way it should be framed in, in most people's mind be, um, To just help them, you know, with even the stress of it, because I think sometimes we we stress about debt and maybe calling it good and bad adds to that. But this idea or concept of in control or not in control can can really help people frame that.
2: The thing about good (laughs) and bad is there's often some feelings attached to it and the feelings that are attached to it is um, a need for validation or approval or Mm. a sense of shame right so when you're if you've been around kids you're like no that's good or no that's or no that's bad or good job right and Mm
0: -hmm. there's
2: a form of affirmation that's attached to hearing good job and there's also um a a level of shame of like hiding that's required for doing something bad the thing about it is when when you use that type of of language in my opinion you're giving the other person or someone else outside of you the authority to determine what's good for you right mm-hmm. but when you define something as control like what do you have control of you know that you're no longer the victim of that you can control is something that you can learn to have or you can find the person that has control in and, and and have a conversation with them so that's why i i I strategically use that language because it's important.
1: Yeah, that that's perfect. So you had mentioned having a strategy as you, for the debt that you're in control of. Um, what are some strategies people can have in re- relation to their debt or building their credit? Um, and are there any like fundamental must-do things that everyone should apply in building credit or? Um, controlling their debt?
2: You're just coming in with all of the great questions. (laughs) So, um, again, great questions. Number one, I would say the fundamental principle that I teach and I say in my workshops to my clients is you don't have a you don't have problems with your credit you have problems with a bad budget (laughs) or a, Mm. a budget that you can't control, right? So you don't have credit issues. You have budget issues because when you don't understand where your money is coming or going, you will ultimately have issues with your credit. So the first and foremost fundamental thing that everyone should do in order to start building their credit, starting having to start having control over your financial life is to really uh, improve your relationship with a budget. The B word for some people feels very restrictive. And for me, it's the most liberating thing that I have knowing that I get to set the intentions for my money. I get to assign my money responsibilities. Um, I get to tell it what to do in order to bring more to me. So I see myself as a steward of that. Um, therefore, my credit has, has no other choice but to obey. So I'm going to pause there to say that from there, um, the, when it comes to, to building your credit or strategies to build credit, first and foremost is being aware of what's going on with your credit. So pulling your credit report on annualcreditreport.com currently due to COVID, um, you have access to all three of your credit reports from all three credit bureaus, which are Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion every week until April of 2021. That's awesome. Right. So the first step is to be aware of what's going on. The second step, I would say, uh, when it comes to building your credit is to really um, to remove any outdated (laughs) information from your credit report. So outdated personal information, which includes old addresses, old phone numbers, um, old employees, because you want to seem as stable as possible. And the, the fun fact that I share with some people is sometimes the only thing that's attaching a bad reporting account to your credit report is an old address. And then the third strategy I would uh, recommend um, is going back to the story with the widow and the olive oil is to build with community uh, in mind which means that uh, for me, one of the biggest help that I've received on my financial journey, uh, credit journey as well is um, piggybacking off of good reporting um, credit accounts from other uh, individuals as an authorized user. So an authorized user is someone who who has um, access to the good reporting information of someone else's file without the responsibility.
1: Yeah, there's so many gems <laughs> in what you just said. Um, first, of course, starting with the budget, or I sometimes like to say a spending plan because I feel I find myself more of a planner. So if you just oh. think about making up for your money. Mm-hmm. Um, if that, if the language is easier to digest that way, just you know, think of I have to. Make a plan for this if I'm going to be organized and and really attain my goals. Um, and then, of course, stewardship is very high on the list, right? Just being in control uh, and responsible for all of your resources, you have to have a plan, and they just go go hand in hand together, so um, yeah, and then especially that that last point around the authorized user, I've definitely heard the the suggestion around you know having teen to, you know, young adult children as authorized users to start getting them comfortable with credit and building their credit and their understanding of it. What's funny is um,
2: once I learned about authorized user when I was, again, in college, <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I was a an RA, and for those of you guys who don't know, it's a resident assistant, also known as the biggest party um, party goers on <laughs> campus don't get fooled, y'all. The reason why majority of RAs were a little bit anal is because they were the biggest party goers. So, as an RA, I had a a freshman uh, come in, and he was like going around buying some ridiculous things, and I kept on cof- confiscating. Certain items, and when he said uh, when he showed me how he's paying for this thing, he had a black card. For those of you get for those of you who don't know, a black card is one of like, it's one of those cards that has no limits, basically.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I said, I asked him, "How did you get access to that card?" He said, "I have fantastic credit." I was like, "How do you have fantastic credit?" You're 18. Uh, he said, I have 30 years of credit history. Again, you're 18. He's like, yeah, my dad added me to, um, one of his oldest credit cards since I was like really young. So it looks like I have 30 years of history. And that was the moment where I, I really realized that, um, parents can either be helping their children to, um, create wealth or they can be adding liabilities to their child so oftentimes in especially in black and brown communities when you hear parents um relationship with their child's credit they're adding things to their name like a bill or you know cable or something like that instead Mm -hmm. of the opposite so once i learned that i realized that it is so important for me to pass that knowledge on so my sister, who's now fifteen, she she has uh, currently um, nine, ten years of credit history because she is an authorized user on my oldest credit card. Her credit credit currently is better than mine. I'm like sis, sis is wow. in the <laughs> <800s.">
1: <laughs> Wow, that that is awesome. And even as you're saying that, right? I you, you I knew that people do have put that in practice of putting children as authorized users. Mm-hmm. Um, but it never clicked to me that like the history of their card would pass on to the, the child. So um, for him to have 30 years of credit because that card has been open instead of, you know, he's only 18, so you have 18 years of credit. And it's just these things, it's like you mentioned, in our in our communities, in black and brown communities, we just don't know. And, um the bible says lack of knowledge the people perish and it's exactly we do things because we don't know and we're just trying to make the best of the situation and it's for us to as you say start to put the next generation in the best um scenario for them to succeed as well
2: mhm mhm yeah it's it's so important because um one of the things that is, is so important to recognize is uh, you can build credit with um, your generations in mind, because if, if you do that, you'll find yourself less likely to just have a high credit utilization on your card. Because in reality, there's only three requirements uh, that you need in order to have a credit score this is something I realized that you know I know but not many people realize is that there's three things in order for you to generate a credit score you have to have an active social security number or presence that they can track so you're alive as long as you can prove mm-hmm. that you're alive in the United States and you can get a, a open line of credit you're going to Um, That's one requirement. The second requirement is you have a line of credit that's been open for six months, right? And then the third requirement is that line of credit. You have one line of credit that reports to the credit bureaus within six months. And all three of those requirements, nothing is saying you have to be 18 years old (laughs) to have credit.
1: Right. Yeah, that's. That is definitely a gem because I think a lot of people are thinking at 18, you know, associating credit with being an adult, um, because that's usually how we in our communities have learned and encountered credit and debt is as an adult. But, you know, pointing out that that's not a requirement for it is, is huge for us to remember. So I wanted to get to some kind of, Frequently asked questions. Some listeners suggested questions of, of things people commonly either get wrong or just want to know about. So, the first thing, and kind of ties in a little bit with this, you know, next generation concept we we've, we've been talking about, um, is: Does your debt transfer to family members, or can your debt transfer to family members?
2: Sadly, the answer is yes. Um, And I think a lot of people, they don't plan or prepare for it. Um, Certain student loans can be passed on, especially if you are a co-signer to that debt. Um, You can have um, old accounts. Again, anything that you've co-signed with is passed on. Anything that has your name or access to your credit, uh, your social security number, excuse me, can be passed on to your children. Um, and I'm, I'm not very familiar with wills and trusts, so I won't get into that and give false information. But yes, bad debt can, can be transferred to family members. Um, and the second debt that majority of people don't think about is debt is accrued due to death due to um, Mm -hmm. not having life insurance or, or a plan if someone was to lose uh, access to their ability to uh, work. So yeah, yes. The answer is (laughs) that transfers.
1: Yeah. Okay. So as you're talking about, you know, the credit report and seeing, um, What's on your report? You mentioned, like, clearing anything that's not current. Um, something that we see a lot of, um, especially on social media, is these companies or individuals that say they can clear your debt or help you with your credit score, those type of things. Um, how do you choose the right one, or can you trust them in general? Like, what's the best way to um, go about Clearing up your credit score and and selecting some of these credit companies
2: right great question so um I am considered although i I really focus on the credit education credit coaching aspect. I do repair credit as well. I just don't do it for everyone because I believe um, for me the the relationship that I wanted to develop with my clients is to Give help them to gain confidence in their ability to do it themselves and to maintain it themselves because I didn't mm-hmm. want to be used as a crush. So to answer that question, so trust is something that is given or earned um, after you've seen someone's actions, right? So if you see someone saying that they can clear off your debt, uh, completely hide it away, that's not the truth. Um, because bad debt doesn't just disappear. It can disappear off of your report, but on the back end, you want to make sure that that is uh, taken care of. The law that governs credit repair and uh, the credit industry is the FCRA, the Fair Fair Credit Reporting Act. Uh, and if there's any credit repair companies that's saying that... Um, that you can just say this debt is not yours, and you know lie and things like that. They're not to be trusted because there's more than <laughs> enough laws that protect consumers. I say this because I I for I I get lost in <laughs> the laws. Um, so my, my my recommendation is you really want to go with someone who you trust who has integrity. So if Mm -hmm. they are, they're not going to give you a pill that's going to just make everything disappear because that's not what credit repair should be. That's not what it should be. The credit repair is holding these uh, debt collectors, these credit bureaus, accountable according to the law and one of the main laws that you should, they should adhere to is anything that is on your credit report should be reporting a hundred percent accurately, a hundred percent timely, and a hundred percent verifiable. So if that's not the case, that's what you're disputing, right? So I don't have to dispute whether or not I did open a Victoria secret card 12 years ago, (laughs) (laughs) I I can dispute whether the balance that's reporting is accurate, whether the date that's reporting is accurate. So there's way too many laws that are working for consumers that if you find someone promising ridiculous promise, like I'm going to have everything removed, no one can have everything removed legally. Um, So that would be my suggestion. I don't know if that answers the question, but I hope it did. (laughs) It's
1: the perfect answer. It's the perfect answer because, you know, as you said, trust is earned. And even in the kind of idea of credit scores and credit in general, it's for other businesses or whoever to know, can they trust you? So, even in the idea of trying to repair your credit, you want to go about it with a a company or someone who has integrity and is also trustworthy.
2: Right. Because consider this, if you have any doubt in your mind, this person that oftentimes um, you're giving uh, information to, they have access to your social security number. They have access to security answers, um, Sometimes um, and you want to have someone that you can trust to have that information about you. Like they have your birthday, all of that in order to make sure that your identity identity theft, it doesn't occur. So Mm -hmm. if, if, if you can't validate uh, a face, if they're requiring that you pay upfront, there's really just like certain things that are red flags because again, it's against the law for any credit repair, uh, company to request money up for it And if you find one that does or someone who claims to be a specialist that does that's against the law and they're not operating <laughs> according mm. to the law therefore <laughs> avoid them run for is run just no <laughs> run
1: that's great that's great um, okay so another kind of FAq is um, for people who have good credit, but they want it to be better or they want it to be great, right? Um, What are some tips you have for them or how to even determine, you know, I have good credit and, and what's like a good target?
2: First of all, let's just do a quick little wind dance. (laughs) <laughs> on the fact that you have good credit and you want to have great credit, so that would be my first thing. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm assuming that they're saying that their credit is 700 and above, or like 680 is insert depending on what you're applying for considered decent credit or mm-hmm. fair credit, but um, seven seven twenty um, is what would be great. And then anything above that, you're, you're basically golden. So my recommendation is <clears throat> number one, s- apply for credit strategically. uh majority of high credit, um, carriers, they don't apply for c- lines of credit that often at most, they do it once or twice a year. Uh, So that's number one. Number two is to have high um, limits on any credit accounts that you have, credit card accounts that you have, because the higher your limit, the higher um, they see that you have the ability to maintain large amount of um, debt. So that's number Mm -hmm. two. And number three is to, to keep your utilization between 1% and 7% by the time that it reports to the credit bureaus. Majority of 800 and above credit score holders, uh, they typically don't, they don't carry a balance. And if they do, it's between one and 7%. So that would be my top three tips about how to go from good to great.
1: So the last kind of question all surround one thing, and it's where we started this conversation around student loans. <laughs> so, first off, it just to be plain, right? Can I just not pay them? Like, what happens if I just don't pay the student loans? Ignore them? Like, what's kind of the downfall, or is there like a a benefit to just not paying them? Oof, oof, oh. I'm
2: a I'm a keep it a hundred with y'all because I believe that honesty is always the best policy. Tell the truth, tell the truth. I'm gonna tell the truth, friend. Um, can you just not pay them? That is always an option because the Lord gave us free will. However, is that wise? <laughs> According to the, my favorite book in the Bible, the Book of Proverbs, I would say no. Yeah. Um, in in actuality, although I was uh, joking because that's just my personality. If we do refer back to the Bible, it is actually sinful to know that you have the ability to pay something, someone back and you refuse to do so right there. There's an actual proverb that speaks against that. However, um, when it comes to just not paying them, what you uh, and, and you decide to still live in America, <laughs> what you're doing <laughs> is you're giving the government um, the right to um, to garnish your wages for one. <laughs> Especially if it's federal loans, um, federal student loans, which is what majority of people have. People don't understand that when you have federal student loans, you have a a contract between you and the government and they have access mm. to e- enough information that they can put um, a, a court order that your wages can be garnished, that they They require that you pay you won't get refunds anymore like there's there's repercussions to not mm-hmm. paying your student loans. My rule of thumb is uh, why ruin your reputation, right? So let's go back to the story with the widow we're we're bringing it full circle back. The story about um the widow and, and the olive oil she was able to to receive more because her reputation was solid. Uh, She was able to, to be um, a true entrepreneur, be able to sell with integrity to the very same people that let her borrow the vases. That's a, that's a story in itself because she Mm -hmm. had a solid reputation choosing not to pay um, debts that you owe, is uh, choosing not to protect your name, not to protect your reputation. So again, it's a choice. um, It's just not a wise choice.
1: Yeah, Uh, I hear you there. Um, So I guess a similar scenario is not maybe intentionally not paying them when you can, but what if you can't, or you become delinquent, what do you say to those people who are behind um, and are trying to catch up? What's the encouragement for them or the, the tips on ultimately paying off their student loans or getting to a good place of control over them? Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Um, so number one, I, stop hiding. And... That's pretty uh, presumptuous of me to say stop hiding, but I'm pretty sure. I'm ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure that <laughs> if, if your student loans are delinquent, you're most likely hiding. Why? Because majority of loan providers, service providers for student loans, they are willing to have a conversations with um um. With you in order to see what can be done, there is there's there's um programs as as low as zero dollar payment for a certain amount of time if you're dealing with uh tough times. Because right now, due to COVID, a lot of people have lost their jobs. Right? There are uh, resources out there, there are um. Options on repayment. If you wait until you're you're about to go late or you are late to continue to have the con- to have the conversation to call them, uh, it puts you in the in, in a bad position. And just remember that the person on the other side of the phone is one a person, um, and then two, mm-hmm. they most likely themselves have student loans. So it's not as if they don't understand or can't relate. So I right, usually recommend right. that. Let's not hide and let's get on the fa- phone and call and have a relationship with your service providers. Great Lakes, okay? knows my name they know that, <laughs> that they i i call in um if i see like something weird or funky happening i call in they understand that i currently have a strategy to fast pay and clear off my student loans because i want to be debt free by 30 So they know that, like, hey, if I make an extra payment on my student loans, I don't want you to just put it anywhere. I want you to put it towards this specific loan. This is its token. And this is how I want it to be applied. Like, but the thing is, I they know my name. They they've had a conversation with me on multiple occasions. And I didn't wait until something bad happen in order to uh, Mm -hmm. initiate that relationship. So for anyone who um, is currently delinquent, my recommendation is just to stop hiding and to know that that doesn't have to be your permanent narrative. Um, You can gain control of that, but it starts off first with a phone call um, and starting to have the conversation with them.
1: I think the other scenario that, People, you know, worry about the student loans and how it affects them is when they're trying to get into home ownership and and getting a mortgage. Um, Mm -hmm. How do student loans affect getting a mortgage or applying for a mortgage?
2: So I am not a real estate agent. I do have relationship with realtors. Um, one of the biggest ways that student loans impacts your ability to buy a home when you're applying for a mortgage is how it shows up in your debt to income ratio. And for majority of mortgage uh, underwriters, they're looking at the total picture. So they want to see what's your debt to income ratio? How much house can you actually afford? And Mm -hmm. um, just seeing like my recommendation for any clients majority of my clients that I accept for credit repair I only really accept credit repair clients that are in uh, getting ready to be homeowners because there's a level of uh, investment <laughs> that they have to the process yeah. to do it uh, right. to be a partner with me in the process and one of my biggest recommendation is once you're Starting to think, especially six to nine months um, leading up to purchasing a home, you shouldn't be making major shifts in your finances, first and foremost, let alone your credit. So, purchasing a new car is just off the table. Anything that dings your report as a new line of credit makes you look unstable. um, It can um, mess with your debt to income ratio. So I always recommend to, uh, after talking with a credit, um, specialist, a credit educator to make sure that you're having open lines of communication with your mortgage lender and your real estate agent.
1: Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Jenny, you definitely dropped a lot of gems for the past, you know, a couple minutes we've been speaking and, um, I definitely, again, appreciate you joining and just talking to us about your perspective on credit and, and how to, you know, coach people and getting control of their credit. Um, okay. So before we wrap up, if you wanted to leave any last words or reminders for people and where they can find you, social media, et cetera, um, you can go ahead and share that now.
2: Awesome. Thank you again, Simone, for this. Your questions were phenomenal. And I'm pretty sure your audience are are pretty pretty excited to just have you as a resource onto them. So, uh, kudos to you, first and foremost. Um, the second thing is, just to everyone who is listening, please be please know that uh, you are you have everything in you to be a good steward. You just have to get a strategy. You have to. Understand that you are called to be the master of money instead of letting it master you. So, just be willing to be a learn a student. Uh, learn from those who are where you want to be. My my greatest attribute, I would say, it outside of loving Jesus, <laughs> is. Uh, <laughs> I've decided to be a lifelong learner and I have no shame in saying I need help from others who have gone ahead of me. So I'm big on um, asking questions and, and being willing to take notes and listen and from people who've, who have what I'm aiming to get. So always be willing to be a lifelong learner. Be aware that you don't have to sit in shame. You're not the only one wrestling with this. No one taught us how to be a good steward. um, And yet you're not called to stay in that place where you feel less than or uh, ignorant of how to grow. So Keep learning, keep growing, keep connecting, keep building a community that is willing to genuinely grow and have generational wealth. So that's that. (laughs) You can find me at um, at surplus financial on Instagram. That is the best place to find me. Uh, I am going to be actively producing content for you guys. I also have um, my first ebook that I published this year that specifically teaches people how to handle collections account themselves on their credit report, how to fix that or deal with that um, themselves, because in reality, uh, with, due to COVID, we're going to see an increase of accounts uh, hitting collections. And you want to be able to control that and know how to handle that. So I definitely have a uh book You can find it, again, at Surplus Financial um, on Instagram. The link is attached. And you have immediate access once it's purchased. And that's it for me. Follow me. Love connecting with you and feel free to let me know if there's anything that stood out to you, something that you learned that um, you feel more equipped
1: to handle. Again, Jenny, thank you so much. Um, Look forward to, you know, connecting and building with you in the future. And if you like what you heard from Jenny today, definitely check her out on social media.
0: All right i really hope you enjoyed that episode but before we go i just wanted to take a minute to remind you about our book club so if you head over to faithonfirellc.com forward slash subscribe you can sign up for our book club we have a reading list out right now that includes books that cover a wide range of debt and credit topics and if you sign up you can get a discount code For Jenny's book that she talked about. Even if you yourself don't need it, it's a great resource you can share with others. As always, again, I'm super thankful for everyone who's listening and appreciate your time. Until next time, God bless.